Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Brother Joshua is laboring for the gospel in Cuba, and he affirms that the harvest there truly is plentiful. But Christianity in Cuba is strong, and it is aggressive, and church is growing amounts that you can't imagine. There is not one service that there is not people giving their lives. People are, are converting. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in our studio today with Brother Joshua. He is one of our guests. Uh, We're not going to talk a lot about his background, but uh, suffice it to say that he is a church leader from Cuba. It is our blessing and honor to have him here. Brother Joshua, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. I want to start out kind of specifically because I know last October there was a church that was demolished in Cuba, uh, and I want to kind of give our listeners a sense of what the church in Cuba is facing, and I think this is a good example. So can you talk a little bit about that church demolition and what happened, why that particular church was targeted, uh, and, and what this means for the church in Cuba? It is important that the world knows what is happening in Cuba. We found out that actually this church in 2015 already had battle with the government in 2015. They had, they had already tried to demolish this church. It actually had some of its walls already knocked down. The way I understand it, in that moment, some of the leadership in the AG actually went inside the church. That was in 2015? 2015. They ceased from demolishing the church on the occasion that leadership had to go to the Communist Party one month ago, they did not respect what they told the AG. They went, they went and demolished it. The pastor had communicated to the district leadership. They were able to go in before they started demolishing. The church had been in prayer all night and a vigil, singing songs to the Lord. At 5 a.m., bulldozers came to demolish the place. The church and the leadership were there. There are some of the apostles, Alan, everybody knows. They started to film the demolition of the church and they tried to prohibit the filming that they could bring problems. No one obeyed. They demolished this temple. There was a controversy where they said, you have to make the temple somewhere. But they gave no solution in the moment. There was about 200 meters from the place. There was a line of police. Over 15,000 people were yelling, singing, praying, some crying. They could not pass through the police line that brought the social media went up. The leaders, the AG calling the government authorities, this is going to bring repercussions internationally. That is how it was. There was a publications of all types that were immediately turned viral. The leadership kept trying to meet with the authorities to putting pressure. So they allowed right next to the pastoral house, the temple, the tabernacle that they told me the AG had sent from Havana to Santiago. So it was like they put up a tent? Like a sink roof. A metal roof? Oh, yeah, a zinc roof. Okay. So when the government comes in and tears down a building like that, what do they say is the reason? Is it just because it's a church, or do they have some excuse? They have a program because of a train is passing through here, a cement factory that they're building. 
So they were opposed. They were not opposed to moving it, said. Give us a place to move from 2015 until today. We are discussing. But they will give no place because they have no place to give to the church. The church has too much influence on the community. It's a very poor community and getting a place and to demolish it. But the pressure that the government has felt because of all the Christians that have joined in solidarity, not only from the AG, Baptists, Methodists, Apostles, have a strong solidarity and it has made pressure on them. That is why we were able to put a temple there. And now the AG asks they can't demolish this one until they give us a place. If they don't find a place and the temple is demolished, there will be consequences will be greater. The church had such an influence that the authorities were afraid of it or angry about it. Is that really the, the issue all over Cuba, that the government is worried about the influence of the church? The battle of the church started when the church got over 170,000 signatures presented against 16 articles in the Constitution where they would basically give marriage equality to the ideological of uh, homosexuality, LGBT. So this is recent. This may be one year ago. Also, the objection of consciousness of the 16 articles that they actually don't affect the church, the whole civil society, the greatest power against them. The church got together and made an evangelical alliance. The church pushed back strongly and actually stopped a few of the things from the Constitution. Going forward, the government got really angry at this. They started regulating pastors, leaders. They couldn't leave the country. When they had activities or things outside the country, they were not allowed to leave. Many of the leaders were taken before secret authorities, interrogated time after time. Two, three months would be interrogated. They were taken to the head of the party and brought with strong movements. The church did not stop there. The church got united pastorally. Many congregations and denominations started to unite. They started meeting with all the pastors and started meeting across far and wide of Cuba that brought a classical movement and has not stopped until right now. This is one of the things that I think the government is scared of. It is fearing the development of unity of the church because before the unity of the denominations were separated. So evangelicals wouldn't recognize apostles, but this movement, even the apostles are participating and the government fears this. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Joshua. He is a church leader from the island nation of Cuba. Joshua, I know you have been interrogated. You've been uh, invited to meet with the authorities. What kinds of questions do they ask you? When they interrogated us for the first time, the government asked leaders, who is sponsoring you? They want to know who is sponsoring you. From outside the country. They think this is a program that has risen in Cuba from the voice of the government and the left church. The official church, the fundamentalist religious fundamentalism, uh, which are bigger churches than the AG, Methodist, Evangelical League, and Baptist, those biggest churches in Cuba, not a part of the official church in Cuba. So the Council of Churches has risen against the fundamentalist church. They say that these big churches are fundamentalist and that they are dangerous to those churches that just want to bring uh, prejudice and maintain from outside Cuba. The argument is that the Cuban society despises the church. When they interrogate the leadership, the leadership are saying, how are you being sustained? Where is the money coming from? But in reality, the church has the economy. The church is powerful. It obeys the Bible. 
the Bible says that even the gates of hell will not prevail against you. When Jesus was talking to Peter and his disciples, we know that the church will not be detained even if the gates of hell rage, that they will continue to grow independently from opposition of the government because God is behind his church. So when, when they call you for interrogation, do you feel nervous? Do you just feel like it's an inconvenience? Every time they call me, I get a bit nervous, but you have the assurance that God is with you. When the interrogation starts, I get strong, but I know it's not yours, it's from God. The words that come out of my mouth, they are like swords, two blades. My fear shrinks and God starts to empower you. Amen. Uh, how do you train young pastors to have that sense of not being afraid? The leaders in Cuba, they visit the communities. They get pastors together and leadership training and give them the resources that the leader has an experience when he's going to be interrogated. We are very open with the pastors every time uh, they are interrogated. We say it publicly. We say it in the churches publicly. This also gives them fear because they know the pastors will not stay quiet when they are interrogated. And everyone knows that the pastors are being interrogated, and we tell them when we are being interrogated. There is no secret between the leaders and the pastors. And we know that m there may be a pastor or someone that comes in a place that actually is an informant, but they know that there is no fear to say what is happening. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Joshua. I want to follow up on this idea of informants because I, when I had the privilege of visiting Cuba, I remember very clearly one of the pastors said, every Sunday I know somebody in my church is there to spy on me. I have some members that used to belong to the secret police, and they come and say, Pastor, you had today this one, and you had the other one, and they were both secret police. They came to hear what you said. We are not paranoid of persecution. It is that we truly know that it, there it is. How big of a challenge is that for a pastor to just know that, I, I mean, I would think that would make you nervous as a pastor. How do you, how do you overcome that nervousness? That is when you really know, when you really know that God is with you. Some pastors start service and say, this service is for the church, for all the visitors and all the members of the government listening. <laughs> that is when we understand that God gives us strength to speak with no fear. Sometimes we will actually speak and preach and not notice then our pastor's wives, our leaders will come and say, hey, you spoke a little strong. And, but my response is God spoke roughly to the Pharisees as well. And Jesus spoke roughly to the Pharisees. I'm fascinated by this because it, it reminds me of a conversation we had with a pastor from China. And he said he challenges the men in his church. He says, the government is watching you, so make sure you're a good witness. Every time I stand in the church, you have to tighten your belt to be up there. You have to tighten your belt to be a Christian. Pastors are telling their churches that there will be harder persecution. You think you have been persecuted, but it's coming to it's going to be a lot worse in the future. We are preparing for this and working, being taken by the leaders and pastors because persecution is going to get stronger. Has anything changed? I know there's been changes in Cuba in the last several years. Fidel died. Raul was in charge, then Raul stepped down. Has that changed anything in terms of how the church is treated? And absolutely nothing. Nothing. Actually, actually, I would say it has gotten worse since Fidel died. I've seen my persecution after Fidel's death uh, 
I've seen more persecution after Fidel's death than when he was alive. Interesting. And and that also, during that time period, the U.S. relationship has kind of warmed with Cuba, but that hasn't changed anything either. No, it has changed nothing. The attacks are furious, and they come from all departments of government. You see it in the news. You see it in TV. Uh, you see it physically in the churches. There are pastors being constantly harassed, not just from party members, but also from secret police. Wow. They actually started to attack publicly from the TV, the church. So on like the public broadcasting, they're mocking the church and, and belittling but the church. They say that there is no difference between the evangelical church and ISIS. That is the same thing. This idea is that the government wants to, to say um, there is a magazine called The Socialist Cuba. It has been said that the directors of the party have said on TV, Bruno Rodriguez, the chancellor of Cuba, he went to the UN to publicly attack very direct. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Joshua. He is a church leader from Cuba. Joshua, you talked about the fact that you're preparing the pastors. What what does that look like? How do you prepare pastors to face worse persecution? The meetings that we are having across the whole island uh, about the crisis that's going on between the government and church, there will be no way to solve it. So what we need to do is prepare our churches and our pastors and our leadership to be conscious that it's going to get worse over time. If we are able to resist these times, the Bible says that he who stays till the end, we tell our leaders that you have to maintain firm to save our churches. We will save our people even if it costs us our lives. How much is the persecution affecting regular people in the church? N- not a pastor, not a leader. Is is somebody who just goes to church, are they going to face trouble? We have members that are not allowed to work, members that lost their responsibilities because they are Christians. We have young people who are not given the options for better careers because they are Christians. You know, we don't take up arms in the draft or in the military draft. Yeah. So they will force them to do worse jobs and things in the military that they have. They have problems in the military. None of them are leaders or pastors. They're just church members. They will tell them those Christians to stay in the corner if they know what's good for them. There's always a hint of threat. So every day, every Christian, not just pastors, every Christian knows this is going to cost me. Yes. Christianity in Cuba has repercussions. So... How does that affect the way you evangelize? Because you're inviting people to follow Jesus, but you're also inviting them to have trouble. In Cuba, as you may imagine, we don't preach prosperity. I imagine so. So this is not the base (laughs) of our gospel. The base of our gospel is suffering, but the opportunity to be saved and go with Christ. So when we speak to the church, we speak to evangelism. In the world, you will have afflictions. God said it. But trust that I have beaten the world. If Christ is with us, we can triumph over persecution. Even when life is given, therefore the Christianity in Cuba is strong and it is aggressive. And many people are going to the churches, even in the time of the pandemic, you would think the church would recede and the church is growing in an amount that you can't imagine. There is not one service that there is not people giving their lives. People are in the streets preaching and people are giving their lives to Christ. People are going on the blocks and preaching. People are converting. There are more people coming, more more people coming to Christ, party members, engineers, doctors, professionals of all types, of every social status in Cuba. The gospel of Christ is being aggressive and preached. 
how hard is it to get Bibles right now? I have people right now from the government. Um, I was moving to uh, a place in Cuba, and they stopped me and they said, are you a pastor? I said, yes, yes. And they said, can you give me a Bible? <laughs> so even people are hungry for Bibles. How hard is it, though, to get them into the country? It is always difficult. We have strategies and ways to get them into the country. God knows the strategies. God gives us the strategy. We don't want to talk about them on the radio. <laughs> I can understand that. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Joshua. He is a church leader from Cuba. For, for the average pastor in Cuba, what's the hardest part of his job? I think one of the hardest things with very little resources, with a low economy, to do a lot. Because a pastor in Cuba has not another profession. Because you really can't live on another profession. Because the government would put too much pressure on that pastor. So it is very difficult for them to do some layman work and be a pastor. So they dedicate to just being pastors. They have to do everything pastorally. And usually when a pastor starts his church, there's very little money or resources. They receive 12 to $14 a month. The average worker will make $25 a month. So you get half of the money. But even like that, many pastors do it happily. What about one of the things that, that we talked with pastors there about is the pressure that their children face. How hard is that for pastors to watch their children suffer because of their ministry? You don't only suffer the church because you're a pastor's son. You suffer in schools, precisely singled out. Uh, the kids grow up watching their parents pressured by the secret police, criticized, taken, interrogated because they try not to mention it at home. It is something that just becomes a part of life. Also, the pastors can't do it like black market work and they can like sell little things or do things, but they have to live a more correct life. So it starts to get very difficult for the children and pastors have to move around a lot. Sometimes uh, what happens is when a pastor has been harassed too long in one place, the leader might move him to ease pressure on him. So you're not only affecting the pastor, but you're affecting that pastoral family and their children are constantly being moved. It can bring a lot of social problems for the kids. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Joshua. He is a church leader from Cuba. Joshua, as we finish up, we always want to equip our listeners to pray. And I think in the course of this conversation, we've un unearthed some specific ways that people can pray. But tell us, how are the best ways we can pray for the church in Cuba right now? What we want is that you pray to the church maintained firm in the Lord, that, that we stay faithful to Christ and his word. If that happens, we will be okay. Amen. I hope that you have been inspired this week to pray for our brothers and sisters in Cuba. Uh, they face things I, I don't think we can even really wrap our minds around. So I want to encourage you to pray for the nation of Cuba. Brother Joshua, thank you for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for your ministry and your faithfulness uh, to serve in Cuba. For me, it is a pleasure to be here and tell the world what is happening in Cuba. And please pray for us. You know, Cuba is just 90 miles from our U.S. border, and yet it's difficult to get information. We don't see Cuba on the news very often. It's hard to know what's happening there. We're separated from Brother Joshua by an international border, but we are one in the body of Christ. The stories you hear every week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio will broaden 
your view of the world. We allow you to go across those international borders. You'll hear from guests who give you a heart for the nations. They help you know specifically how you can pray. And you can hear even more conversations like this one when you visit our website, vomradio.net, or search for VOM Radio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find more than 300 archived episodes there, along with other resources to help you get involved directly to assist our persecuted brothers and sisters. Again, our web address is vomradio.net. Before we finish up this week, I want to let you know about a special virtual event coming up from The Voice of the Martyrs on March the 5th. And I want to encourage you to register and also get your church involved as a host site for this very special and very significant event, the Imprisoned for Christ virtual event coming up on March the 5th. This is going to be an amazing opportunity to hear directly from three men all of whom were sent to prison because of their Christian witness. Three men imprisoned in three different countries, and all three of them had very different experiences of suffering and of God's grace while they were in prison. All of that in one evening, Friday night, March 5th. We will give you a link at vomradio.net to register for the Imprisoned for Christ virtual event you can also find information on the Voice of the Martyrs' main website, persecution.com. All three of these speakers will be familiar to longtime VOM Radio listeners because all three of them have been our guests here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Peter Yasik, my coworker, was imprisoned in Sudan. Dan Bauman was imprisoned in Iran. And Pastor Andrew Brunson was imprisoned in Turkey. All three of them will share their stories during the Imprisoned for Christ virtual event Friday evening, March the 5th. You can register for free. There is no charge to attend. Get your church to register as a host site. Gather together with other believers to watch these former prisoners share their stories. Voice of the Martyrs has materials to help your church promote the event. We'll also provide a, an event guide for every person who is attending at your church to be able to follow along with what's going on during the event. And I have the privilege of being a part of this as well. After the three speakers, I'm going to sit down with Dan and Andrew, and we'll have a discussion uh, sort of like a Voice of the Martyrs radio interview to sort of just dive a little bit deeper into their stories. One of the things you may not know is that while he was in prison, Pastor Andrew Brunson read books written by Dan Bauman about his time in prison in Iran. So I'm very curious to have those two guys in the same room and sort of ask them about that. Sort of ask Andrew as he's sitting there with Dan, hey, what, what did those books mean to you? And then ask Dan, hey, what does that mean to you? That, that something you wrote was a blessing and was an encouragement to Andrew Brunson during his time in prison. So I hope you'll go to vomradio.net. There's a message right at the top of the page, a link to register for the Imprisoned for Christ virtual event. Again, coming up March the 5th. That's a Friday evening. Register yourself. Encourage your church also to be a host site for this powerful event. And if you want a preview, you can search for the interviews that we've had with Peter, Dan, and Andrew right here on VOM Radio. 
Go to vomradio.net or search for VOM Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. In Peter's case, I interviewed him literally just eight days after he was released from prison in Sudan. And in Pastor Andrew Brunson's case, I also interviewed his wife, Noreen, who was really a, a rock and a warrior for him while he was in prison in Turkey. Again, you can find those interviews at vomradio.net or find the Voice of the Martyrs radio wherever you listen to podcasts. Next week, we're going to talk with Brother Kevin from YWAM Frontier Missions about their work taking the gospel to places it has never been heard before. I know that you'll be encouraged by that conversation. So three things for you to do. Number one, pray for our brothers and sisters in Cuba this week. Number two, register for the Imprisoned for Christ virtual event. And number three, be back here next week to hear from Brother Kevin right here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.